Let us pray. Here we are. We came from many different places, different addresses, with one common goal, and that's to come and sit at the feet of Jesus, to hear the words of God. We came, and even though we have different last names, we are all family, brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. And this is what you meant. You meant for us to understand that we are united in you as your family. So we know this is just but a family meeting for us, where we come as children together and we come and listen to what our dad wants to say to us. We come with questions. We come with sometimes a bit confusion. We come sometimes with something that hurts. And with respect, we almost want you to kiss it so that we may feel better. Thank you for reaching down and, and in a sense, lifting us up and putting us on your lap and telling us you are here for us. We know all of these things are true because that's what the Bible teaches us about you. That's what the Bible says, who we are and who you are. But as we still need to think about a difficult topic today, I ask, O oh Lord, that through your Spirit we will find together wisdom in your word and your words. In your name we ask this. Amen. So two weeks or so I started, two weeks ago or so I started with a publication that was printed in January of 1563, and this publication was written by these two people, by Usinus and Ulivianus. And what I'm talking about, and you know it now well, is the Heidelberg Catechism. And the Heidelberg Catechism, the format is a question and answer format, and it all has to do with helping the people in the time when it was written, and in time that we are now reading it, how to deal with life. As Christians, we are struggling sometimes to deal with God and with life and all the things that are happening with us and how to understand God's plan for us in this world. And that's what this catechism, in a sense, is trying to help us understand. And I've said this every time. Uh, when I show you this picture, you can see this man is really struggling a little bit as he's trying to find his way. And that's what the Heidelberg Catechism, in a sense, is trying to help us with. The first question that we looked at started two weeks ago was actually this question, what is your only comfort in life and in death? And I would translate this to, what is that peace that Paul writes about? You know, many times when I sent you off uh, uh, into this world after a worship service, I would say, and may the peace that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge of God's love for you and Christ Jesus that came to die for us. That peace that su surpasses all understanding, how can you and I get it? Because that's, in a sense, what we need. That's what we, in a sense, are looking for in this world. Because this world is definitely not an easy place to live in. So this question has to do with your comfort. Not, not luxury, but then that peace that Christ wants to give you. And then we started to look at the answer. That I belong body and soul in life and in death, not to myself, but to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who at the cost of his own blood has fully paid for all my sins and has completely freed me from the dominion of the devil. Now, now I, I got to that point last week. 
But this continues, that, the, that he protects me so well that without the will of my Father in heaven, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, that everything must fit his purpose for my salvation. Therefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life, makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready to live for him now and forever. So what we have learned so far, and this is just a quick summary, what we've learned so far is that discomfort in life and death uh, is the knowledge that we belong to God, that my body, this means this thing, and my soul, that's who I am in a sense, my identity, my personality, that is owned by God. The second thing is that we discovered that we were bought at a huge price. Um, we were freed from the the, the sin and the cost of sin actually in our lives. And if you haven't watched these sermons or haven't been here, they are all online. Just go back and you'll find them there. And that we can now also be free from the dominion of Satan. And I preached about that at length uh, last week. Today, protection with a purpose. That's what we are focusing on today. So, that he protects me so well that without the will of my Father in heaven, not a hair can fall from my head, and that everything will fit the purpose of my salvation. Now, the problem is that all of us, when you, you give your life to Christ, and I think this is the crisis for many Christians, have the expectation that the Lord should do this to us, as you can see on your screen. That the Lord should now put me in bubble wrap with a helmet on and make sure that absolutely nothing harmful or hurtful, should happen to me. That's, in a sense, an expectation I've heard from many people in my life. But the problem is that even though you give your life to Christ, you immediately discover that it's not that different. Believing in Christ, and I know a number of people who gave their lives to Christ late in their lives. I, I, let me just say this. I actually have someone who gave his life to Christ quite late in his life, and he said to me, since I gave my life to Christ, everything went bad. That's actually what he told me. He said, before that, I felt it was okay-ish. Now I feel it's terrible. But we'll get there. The problem is the moment when you and I give our lives to Christ, we, we, we discover that our life is still full of losses. Because that is what suffering is all about, isn't it? Suffering means that we start to lose things almost since the day you are born. You start to lose a lot of things in your life that you grab onto. You lose family, you lose friends, you lose your health sometimes, you lose financially, you lose money. Uh, um, you lose the battle with gravity. Yeah, yeah, that's... You know, nobody writes about gravity. There's really something wrong with gravity. It's getting worse every year. You know, last year I could pick up a bag. It was like nothing. This year, and yeah, 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 same bag. I can't, can't get the thing in here. So something went wrong with gravity. So, so we are constantly losing things. And our hair. And our hair. I, I had some at some point. I, I promise you I had way more at some point. And in that answer it says, not a hair will fall from your head if it's not the purpose of God. So, hair will fall. It's not that my hair will stay. I've had countless of people come to me, and actually two weeks ago, someone is sitting in my office and said to me, but why does real bad things happen to good people? I know of this family, this person told me, that has committed their lives to Christ, and they've committed their life to service, and now this whatever thing happened to them. Doesn't it help to believe in Jesus? 
Now, now, what confuses us is a little bit what you and I will find in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, they've got this, in the, the Greek word is theodicea, uh, theology. It means that it says, good me, good God. And you'll find this a little bit in the Old Testament where David would say, if you behave, God is going to bless you. If you don't behave, God is going to punish you. So you need to sort of stay away from the bad things and everything will be fine. But that's not really what the Bible is teaching us about that I'll, I can be exempt of all pain and suffering in this world. So the fact that I'm trying to live my life the best I can and I'm sort of a good person, why doesn't that then protect me? And then that, the thing, your faith just needs to be a little bit more. There are countless of groups that will come to people and when they are suffering, will say to them, well, this happened to you because your faith is not strong enough. And actually, I have attended a healing service in a very strange type of church once in my life where they would get the people up on the stage and they would say, well, I'll pray for you and if you're not healed, it's all your fault. Because as if the pastor has this ability to heal all illnesses. And that's not what Jesus came to do, is to heal all illnesses. There's this, sorry, a little bit of a stupid story of this lady that was blind and, and, and she said to a guy, you know, I really want to, to some, I want to get some answers because I've got people telling me I am blind because my faith is not, is not strong enough and if I have enough faith, I'll be able to see. This guy said to her, do you have a cane? She said, yeah. He said, well, if anybody tells you that again, just beat him on the head and say, if you had enough faith, you would not feel the pain. Right, so. <laughs> and then there's this concern that the world may be a little bit out of control. You know, when we watch the news and we see how many bad things are happening, we sometimes wonder, is it maybe possible that God has lost control of this world where so many bad things are continuously surrounding us? And then I have people saying to me, well, maybe it's because God does not care enough. Our next door neighbor where we lived in South Africa, he, he, he didn't believe. And I asked him one day, I said to him, and his wife was a strong believer. I said, why don't you believe? He said, well, have you ever been in a hospital and you've seen the children lying there in the cancer ward? I said, yeah, I have. I've worked in hospitals all my life. I said, yeah, I've seen these terribly sick children with cancer. He said, how can the God that you proclaim to be a God of love allow this? I will not believe in a God that allows children to suffer in the way that they are. And then we have people who would sometimes say, well, you know, I'm not really sure if it's really helpful to pray because I'm not sure if God is going to answer my prayer. So we make God a little bit smaller than our problems. And at the end of the day, People come to terms with the fact that they say being a Christian does not always help you in your suffering. But what does the Bible teach us about suffering? Now, I, I wrote there about the ripple effect. And the ripple effect has to do with the fact that if you touch water, if you throw a little rock in a pond, the circles of the waves will circle out all the way until it reaches the sides. And I think that's what the Bible teaches us about sin. The Bible tells us that in the world that we live, there's this constant ripple effect of sin that will touch the lives of every single person in this world, and it's irrelevant if you are a Christian or not. You see, when God created us, He meant for us to be with Him in the garden where He could fully protect us without any suffering, without illnesses, without pain, without financial loss, because He said, I will take care of you. But Adam and Eve decided to Go and try to do it on their own because they believed the lie of Satan. I spoke about that last week. 
Now, I can very easily sit here and say, well, they were idiots. They should have stayed in the garden. They should have went on a diet and not eaten apple. But the long and the short is what Adam and Eve were facing is what you and I are facing in the same way every day. You see, when I wake up in the morning, I today, on this day, need to decide if I'm going to believe in God and I'm going to follow His direction. Let's forget the ripple effect of sin. Just think about who I am. I wake up and I'm going to do it today on my own or I'm going to do it today with God. That's the question that every single person in this life needs to make every day. You know, so I had somebody once ask me, when did you give your life to Christ? I said, um, on January the 15th. He said, but that's today. I said, yeah, I had to give my life to Christ again today. Because that's what we do as Christians. I can't say I gave my life to Christ 20 or 30 or 40 years ago, and since then I have not really given Him any attention in my life. It's like I got married in 1980, but the last time I spoke to my wife was in 1990. Uh, that's not beneficial. So the long and the short is, I need to give my life to Christ every single day, and that's the question that Adam and Eve looked at. So am I lean, believing the lie of this world, or am I believing the truth of God as I open my eyes in the morning? That's the first thing. So I can't really blame them for sin that's in this world. I need to look at my own life also. And the problem with sin is the fact that we are trying to live our life without God. And, and the moment when you remove God, you see, people think when you remove God, it's just the concept of God that you are removing. But you're not removing the concept of God only. You are removing the influence of God in your life. And how does He influence you through His will and His word and His law? How does God protect us? God protect us, and the arms of God that He places around us is His will for us. He gave the Israelites countless of commandments, not only the ten. Go and look, look through the book of Numbers and the book of Leviticus and Deuteronomy, and you'll find there are countless of regulations and laws because there's a million people almost walking through the desert without sanitation, all the stuff that we have, and God knew He had to keep this lot safe from themselves and from the environment they are living in, and God said, don't do this, do this, don't do this. It's like when you have children, these little ones had walked in with me, my grandkids. You constantly need to tell them, brush your teeth, don't do this, don't do it. It's nonstop. That's what God has to do for us. Now, now imagine you would leave two children, Amelia and Rena, alone in the house, and the parents go away for a day. What do you think will be left of the house after they stop crying? It's going to be terrible. So that's what we do. We leave God alone in all His direction, all His instruction that was given to us to help us make it in life. Where does most of the harm come from? in this world. Where does most of the suffering come from? From people. I would say almost 80% of all the suffering that people in this world faces comes from other people. I sit at the red light. I do nothing wrong. A guy hits me from behind. The guy that didn't concentrate was looking on his phone. I'm eating something and I'm in hospital because I'm now sick. And the thing I ate was in a sense, tainted by some stuff that people sprayed on this vegetable or on this cow, on this chicken or whatever, many months ago, and I ate this stuff, and now it's, 
causing cancer. Because those guys want to make money and they don't care for what they put in the food that we eat. This is a really stupid story. Of they were talking about all the stuff that can cause harm when you eat it and the long-lasting effect. And they said to a lot of people, so what do you think is the most dangerous thing you can eat? But the most long-lasting effect, and this older guy got up, he said, wedding cake? <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, 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 okay. But yeah, that just illustrates that, that relationships and, 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 and failed relationships are causing so much pain and suffering in this world. That's not what God intended for us. But what we did is we removed God from the equation. We removed His will, His guidance, His direction. God talks about patience. God talks about loving your neighbor. I said to someone in my office recently, I said, you know, you want to get rid of this person in your life. I said, why? Well, and in all the, all the reasons. I said, and you're a Christian. Yeah. I said, so help me understand the Bible says you need to love your neighbor with all your heart and your mind as you love God. Who's your neighbor? It's the one that lies the closest to you in bed. It's not the person across the street. It's the one that's with you in your house. You made a promise to the only holy living God to make it work. Why don't you make it work? But you see, we ignore all of these things that God has given us. And then we complain we are suffering. And the promise we are surrounded by people who do not really care for the guidance of God. And therefore, I sit in the slide, we are creating the hell that the Bible talks about. And a lot of people think that hell is this place that God has created with a big fire to burn you. Hell is not that. Hell is the ultimate consequence of your own choice. If you want to live without God, your life will turn into hell because hell is a place where God is not because you do not want Him to be there. Heaven is the choice to be with God because I care for God. I want to be with God. So if I live my life as if God is not important, I will end up where God is not because I told him I don't want to be with you, God. Said, then you go to a place where I'm not. And good luck. Because in that place, there's nothing of me, no kindness, no love, no grace, no nothing, mercy, that you can find there. And this ripple effect of a world that we have created and helped create it a little bit, where God is in no way respected anymore, will cause harm, pain, and suffering. I, 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 I was astonished a while ago that they went and they tried their best to remove all images of the Ten Commandments that were on, on, on government property. They were marble statues and things. They tried to remove those because we should not have them visible. The Ten Commandments of God are there as alms that God says, I want to put around you. To protect you in a world that is already broken. So, I've lost control of this thing. Let me see. Let me see. Sorry. Can you move it on for me, please? So, what does the Bible teach us? Our suffering is sort of normal. I've said this to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you face persecution, but take courage. I've conquered the world. John 16. You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers, by relatives, by friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but no hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your soul. When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that it is desolation. 
that has come near. So what the Bible is trying to tell us, what the Lord is telling us in these words is that as a Christian, I must expect that things will not always go my way. And if you look through the page of the book of Revelation, you will find that the church, the Christians, the people that belong to Jesus will actually face it as it becomes harder as time progresses. But we are protected, but not a hair from our head will perish. Blessed be the God of, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By His great mercy has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice even if now for a little while you have had to suffer various trials so that the genuineness of your faith being more precious than gold Though perishable, is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Peter wrote a really long sentence there, and you can actually preach probably five sermons just out of that one section that's there. But what does it tell us? The Bible teaches us in Hebrews that sometimes suffering is part of the way that God disciplines us. For the Lord disciplines those whom He loves and chastises every child whom He accepts. Endure trials for the sake of discipline. God is treating you as children. For what child is there whom a parent does not discipline? This is the quote from that Hebrews chapter 12 section that you see there. What does it mean? Sometimes God will take things away from me to get my attention. Sometimes God will take things away from me to bring a change in direction. To get my attention, but to also bring a change in direction. Isn't that what we did with our children? When they were younger, we sometimes would say, you can't have this anymore because you're not listening to me. You can't have this now because you're not ready for it, even though you want it so desperately. We came to Fernand's house the other day. A little Amelia, she's hungry, we know this. Well, I want ice cream. I said, Luisa, I said, no, you can't have ice cream now. Well, ice cream, it's just there. She started to open the freezer. I said, no, 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 food first. A small tear wants to come in her eye because she wants her ice cream. This is how she points to it. And here's the mean granddad that doesn't want to give. You know how much I love ice cream. I said, no, Amelia, food first, then ice cream. How many times in our life the Lord says, not now. Something else first. But Lord, it's painful. It doesn't work. I don't like it to be like this way. The Lord says, later, not now. Second thing, he helps us connect with others. Second Corinthians. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all consolation, who consoles us in our affliction, so that we may be able to console those who are in any affliction with the consolation with which we ourselves are consoled by God. I know of a few things in my life that happened. And later on I realized it had to happen that I could help someone else. Now I've told you the story of my wife that had a, a miscarriage at a difficult time in our life. And then another person in our church had a miscarriage two or three weeks later. And when we left, like 10 years later, she still said to me, that visit of yours really saved my life a bit because she was ready to commit suicide. Because for the first time, I could look her in the eye and I understood. Because we went through the same thing. And it's, it's a long story. It's now short. Many times I've asked myself, maybe this trial that I'm going through now is part of preparing me, that I can hold somebody's hand that is weighed 
way weaker maybe in the situation that I can be. And just to be able to look that person in the eye and honestly understand is maybe the difference that we can bring in that person's life and the Lord uses His children for that service. Isn't it true that when you and I signed up to serve the Lord, I need to get done now. I, I need to catch a flight to South Africa. I need to get done. But that can wait. When you and I signed up as Christians, I signed up to serve the only holy living God and His kingdom. And I, in a way, said, Lord, I'm an instrument in your hand to build a kingdom that's bigger than my own life. And you know, sometimes the Lord uses us. And if you take a hammer or a saw and you start to cut through wood or nail something into wood, that instrument gets injured a little bit. But it needs to happen for the construction to take place. Maybe that's part of my suffering and yours sometimes. It brings us closer to God, and that's really true. I don't think God purposefully, purposefully will make us suffer so that we can come closer to Him, but He knows that many times when you are really struggling, that's when you turn to Christ. Interesting, when that guy um, passed out on the field, his heart stopped. Nobody complained when the whole team was kneeling and praying, were they? Nobody. What did the whole world say when that NFL player got injured? Pray for him. And normally if you say pray for someone, then you're, ah, what's going on with you? Suddenly, the world started to pray. It reminds us where we belong. When I turn on the TV and I, Luis told me this morning, George and I were two months ago on the flight where the plane crashed yesterday between Kathmandu and Pokhara. That's the plane, well, not, maybe it was the thing that we were in, but that's exactly the route we fly, flew. Uh, and I saw today, they say Nepal is the most worst uh, airline history. But 68 people were killed yesterday on the flight that we were two months ago. When I, when I hear these kinds of things, I'm grateful that I'm still here today, but when I hear these kinds of things, I, I remind myself, I do not, I do not belong here. I, I belong in heaven with God. And, and that's the hope and that's the promise that we are given in, in, in Scripture, to, to be with God one day. And that's what the book of Revelation came to tell the churches and we are the church of Christ, that we have this hope to be with Christ and with God one day. I, this world is never going to be heaven. Never. Forget it. Forget it. If we think it's going to get better, you are reading your Bible wrong, the wrong way around. It's not going to get better. Not according to the Bible. The church is going to suffer. You and I are going to suffer. The world is going to suffer. Paul says in Romans, the world is crying out because of the pain that we are causing to the planet. In Romans, he writes about this. Saw pictures this morning of elephants lying in a river because poachers shot them with machine guns in South Africa. Uh, elephants are the most majestic thing to cut off a tusk. Let's not go there. We belong in heaven with God. That's what the Lord reminds us. And then it works out our salvation in Christ. And this is what they were saying. That whatever happens to us is part of the salvation plan that God has for His kingdom. And I'm so grateful I can be a part of this. Even if I sometimes sit at a streetlight and a guy hits me from behind and my life is now sort of off direction, I always say, Lord, so this is going to be interesting to see. What are you going to do now that may serve your kingdom? But then, and this is my last, my last words, but we were given the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we are comforted. 
The Lord knows your pain and your suffering. The Lord Himself was hanging on a cross and He suffered tremendous pain. That you and I may know He understands when you and I are not doing well. He knows loneliness. He cried out to his dad. He said, where are you in this moment of darkness? And his dad just kept quiet. He was not separate. His dad just kept quiet. And therefore, many times when you go through pain or through, through, through loneliness or whatever, we've got a God that understands. And he says, I'm, I'm with you through my spirit, and I will give you the strength that you can continue. Can continue. You may not think you, that you will get through this, but with my help, you can and you will. Sometimes it will not work out exactly as you want because people die, and Christians died. And Christians will still die, and today Christians will die, but that's the way that God brings his kids home. Makes me hold heartily willing and ready from now on to, to live for him. Why did they add that to the answer? You see, because I can give up. I can become a victim of this world and of the brokenness of this world, and I can sort of just give up and say, you know, it's too painful, it's too hard, I, I can't. But when I become a victim, I am not effective in his hand anymore. And therefore, part of this answer is suffering is part of life, and it's death and all of these things, but I am in the whole hands of Jesus. And therefore, I should con continue to live to the best of my ability. With a smile, with a smile, with joy. Because I'm owned by God and He knows what He's doing. Nothing is too small or too big for Him. Nothing is a waste for Him. He's got it. Just need to trust Him. So I'm not going to, I need to get done here. That you live for Him. He's a person where you seek your joy. Where lies my comfort? When I look at life and I look at myself and all the things that surround me, where lies my comfort? That I, my body, broken by sin and a ripple effect that will find its way through my body, and my soul that will sometimes feel crushed by people and by this world and by the news and by all kinds of things happening in your life and my life, even though all of this belongs to Jesus. Belongs to Jesus. I'm owned by Him. Therefore, I worked in the gold mines many years when I was a student, and I was a mile down, and I had to crawl through a very small space, and it was pitch dark. And one of the guys said, you know, if the rock above you now moves two inches, we will never get you out. I said, no, I know. He said, are you afraid? I said, yeah, I don't like being here. I'm not really afraid. He said, why not? I said, because I know that God is with me here. If I get stuck, he will be with me when it's my end. I'm not alone. You see, we need to move forward, even though it's dark and difficult and dangerous sometimes. Not being stupid. Knowing that God is with me in the midst of the darkness and the danger of this world. And this guy said to me, you sound a little bit blasé. I said, I'm not. I'll be careful, but I'm owned. I'm owned. Amen.